Live to see it, friends, and welcome to the World Transformed. This program is your guide to an astounding future that lies ahead, one that will be here sooner than you think, and one that you have an important role to play in bringing about. At the World Transformed, we want to introduce you to what may be the greatest transformation of them all, the one that begins with considering and acting on the almost limitless possibilities that lie before us and that ends somewhere beyond the reach of the human imagination. So, when does this amazing future begin? Well, today is the day. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-author, co-futurist, and co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Cyber Monday. I almost said Black Monday. That's not right. Cyber Monday. No, no, no. How, how are you, Black my friend? Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, you know, let me just ask, Phil, uh, you, you know, you got a uh, good start on your Christmas shopping, or... How's it going? How's all that going for you? I'm, I meant to yesterday, but the one place I was going to was not open on Sunday. So, that, you know, there's a few places that aren't open on Sunday. So I actually snuck yeah. away for a few minutes to get something particular my wife had asked for, and they were not open. So I'm nowhere. How about you? Yeah. How's it going with you? <laughs> well, I, I'm, I've been doing the, uh, the, the cyber shopping pretty much all weekend. I, I'm in pretty good shape. Not too, not too bad. I... Uh, um, I hate going to the stores, really. I mean, I, if I can avoid, uh, you know, going to a physical store at all, I will do so. But I've already been to Best Buy once and a, and a couple of other places. So I guess I'll, I'll do a little bit of shopping uh, outside of online. But man, I will say that I, as a consultant, I have helped my wife on a few items. So I, I haven't go. done, but she's been, she's actually taken the lead on, it sounds like what you're doing there, which is uh, managing some of the, Family, you know, gifts that show up under the tree. Yeah, now. yeah, that's kind of. I, pr- I pretty much do that. I uh, I kind of took on that role um, a, a few years back and never never gave it up because I, I just love it. You know, it's something I enjoy doing. So, well, it's way um, fun. Who wouldn't? Yeah, it is. It but can. speaking of way fun, have we got a fun show lined up? Okay, <laughs> we did our good news of Palooza all last week, and some people were thinking, well, they'll never match that. They're not going to have a, as fun a show as those three shows. But how about this? Robot Apocalypse, Dorky Headsets, Mechanical Hands, and Super Spiders all in one show. Am I right, Stephen? <laughs> we, we are coming back strong after good news of Palooza. Yeah, that's right. If you, uh, if you don't like the first one, stick around. It, it will go in a totally different direction. As we said before the show, there's got to be a topic here that interests you. Okay, that's If right. you're not interested in one or more of these four things, and I'm sorry, I'm sorry to say this, you're just not a very interesting person. There. <laughs> it's an eclectic bunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one of those four things around, has got to be interesting yeah. to anyone who's truly an interesting person, well-rounded, interesting. So no offense. Keep listening. Maybe you'll find that you are interested. I'm sure you will. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Number one, how to survive a robot apocalypse just close the door. So this really isn't about the robot apocalypse at all, but it's about this interesting kind of dichotomy between where we think we are with developing robots and maybe where we actually are with developing robots. And it's funny because they start out and they say the robots, well, one of these days, maybe they're going to enslave us all. But in the meantime, if one of them goes berserk, just close the door behind you and they'll be flummoxed, right? Because by and large, there aren't a lot of robots out there that have figured out how to turn a knob and walk through a door. So we've got robots that are really skilled at a lot of highly specialized tasks, and they do them very well, but they give example after example of instances where those robots are out digging their holes or uh, floating around, um, I'm not even sure what the one was doing in Lake Ontario, doing its job, sensing for something, and the slightest little thing completely messes them up. 
And because the intelligence that's built in is around performing that task, not a general awareness, of, you know, situational awareness that would allow you to say, oh, wait, I've gone completely off, these robots can end up just basically running themselves out of existence or, or continuing to do something really, let's use the word here, stupid forever, right, until somebody comes along and, and shuts yeah, it them can down. almost be a it's sorcerer's apprentice kind of situation. Just, <laughs> yeah, that's a good example. Exactly right. You know, it the, keeps uh, doing the same thing until you know, it's just not see, working. See, these uh, are the robots who would, in my view, turn the whole universe into paperclips. Right? These not very smart yeah. robots that just kind of they, they get they get set on a task and they're just going to keep making those paperclips. And if we don't have a good enough off switch, they will they will keep doing it. There was an uh, interesting thing here about the DARPA Robotics Challenge. It says this obstacle course competition that they concluded it in 2015, and they said it was just this keystone cop show, right? The robots are f falling forwards, falling backwards, falling sideways. It says one robot takes a spill after catching its foot in the sand, another shakes and jitters, arms out like Frankenstein's monster before it tumbles. One successfully exited a vehicle, but opening a door and walking through through it was a problem for most. So it's like they, they've got little bits of motion that they get really good at. But as humans, we go through a whole elaborate set of motions all the time that we don't even think about the complexity of them. And it looks like we still have a ways to go before we get robots anywhere close to that. What do you think? Yeah, it's, it takes, it's going to take uh, some version of a generalized intelligence that's may, maybe something short of AGI, but some, yeah. you know, some a little bit more generalized intelligence before these robots would be useful, let's say, in a cluttered home, okay? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, because uh, a, a robot might, might work just fine in the lab that doesn't have anything that can trip over or, you know, or a, a furniture that unexpectedly gets moved, you know, or something like that. But uh, in a normal home uh, that, that, you know, somebody forgot to pick this up and, you know, and it's in the way, and it, it could completely throw off a, a machine that's, uh, that's specialized to do one thing. I, exactly. I and, and with the examples they give, you, you can think the same thing about a work site. Yeah. Uh, a, a work site with humans on it is not going to be pristine. People are going to leave wrenches around. They're going to not move the bench back where it goes something is going to be other than what the robot is expecting. And then if it's not been... The tool that's needed is not going to be exactly on the, you know, on the right place, you know, things like that. It's, right, it's, right. Yeah. And at that, at that point, this ability to kind of analyze your setting and respond appropriately, which we have and completely take for granted, is something that the robots are going to really miss. They're going to wish they're, we're, we're going to, we're going to wish they had, I guess what I take away from this is, and it had not occurred to me before, relatively speaking, as complex as it is, I think the self driving robot, the self driving car is probably a lot simpler than the self walking robot, right? For no, maybe so. Maybe yeah. So. You know, for, it's for normal daily wear and tear. What, what we do out on the roads is actually fairly simple compared to what we do just maybe walking from our house to the car or from the car into the office or something like that without even thinking about it. We're actually solving tremendously complex problems. Of course, evolution has solved a lot of them for us. It's not like we're yeah. working them out in our minds as we go. It's just it's, it's all pretty well taken care of in, in terms of how our bodies are built and the walking behavior that we've 
learned over the decades and that our species learned over over the eons. But still, it, it, it apparently it's a pretty hard thing to replicate in a machine. I um I I have a link, Phil, that I, I we should definitely put in the show notes, and uh, it's, it shows some progress that's been made since 2015 because this is an old article, and it shows uh, a walking robot that's uh, it's not only walking but it's 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 running. It's also leaping onto increasingly tall blocks, right, and doing a, and then doing a backflip off the top block, right. It's just right, uh, right. Uh, you know. The Asimo uh, Honda's Asimo robot, uh, as impressive as as it has been, uh, that's uh, that's not the state of the art anymore. Uh, the the simple ability to walk uh, has has been improved upon by other systems, and uh, but of course that doesn't mean that the the robot can pick pick out a uh, a path, you know. To again a cluttered house or something like that. Well, it's true. The the the, the video is really impressive. By the way, the article is only a couple of weeks old. It was from November tenth, so it's oh, okay. it's not it's not that old. They 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 cite the the cite DARPA the old, robotics uh, challenge, which was twenty fifteen, but they talk about other right, things right. that are somewhat more current. But but anyway, um the the thing is, you see those robots doing those really cool tricks which is what they are basically is tricks, right? They're stunts. Right, it's right. like, man, I wish I could do a backflip like that robot does, right? It's, it's nice. It's impressive. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's downright because graceful. The backflip I can do is not, right? That's, there is no backflip <laughs> I can do. But, but, um, but it's like how much, how much prep time do you have to take setting the robot up to that, right? Does the robot get itself onto the platform? Did the robot get itself from the place where you're working on it to the place where the platform is, right? All that, all, all that Does simple stuff. Does the robot see the platform and how tall it is and adjust its jump accordingly, or is it all preset based on right. the height, height of the block as you know it to be? Right. You know, I, right. There's, there's exactly how, how much how, how much brains is behind that brawn? Is uh, would I be interested in knowing? Yes. And, uh, Although, to, to, just to challenge the premise of the title of the article before we leave this because we got to move on to our other topics but if robots get as smart as we are they'll figure out ways around this whole you know if computers get as smart as we are they'll figure out a way around this whole the robots don't work very well to to solve the problem they'll, they'll, they'll figure out a way to manipulate us to do their bidding right they won't need robots <laughs> to do it or or, <laughs> or they'll get the robots to where they can move really well. I'm not sure that I'm not sure that these difficulties right now give us any actual protection against the Robot. Well, one of one of my favorite tweets of all time was this: tw- a guy tweeting back to Google, a something that he, it was obviously there was a uh, it was a training of an AI system, and it was a picture, and it says, "Please identify the blocks that include Sarah Connor." <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've seen that. What are we training them for exactly? Exactly. What are we trying to train? Yeah. AI Machine for? learning, huh? That's yeah, exactly. The- it was machine learning. Yeah, exactly. That's not good. No. That's not good. <laughs> All right. So our next story, the inevitability of augmented reality head-mounted displays. We, did, we have not done this story, right? We've talked recently about augmented reality, and we talked about the fact that it seems that headsets are inevitable for them, right? Right. Yeah, well, and, and, and that, that seems to be where it's going. And, uh, you know, you can even go – I mentioned going into Best Buy this weekend there's there's a lot of different uh uh headsets for virtual reality and even one that appeared to be uh a augmented reality uh headset 
uh, Phil, but uh, nothing I would want to wear. It's just well, the difference uh, is obviously a virtual reality headset is in the privacy of your home or in some yeah. s- setting where it's expected that you're wearing that helmet and everybody's cool with it. The AR right. headset, the AR head-mounted display, is going to be a thing you wear in public, and that has right. to become socially acceptable. And that's what we talked about last time we talked about AR was this, first off, obtrusiveness of it. The fact that anyone who sees you wearing one of those headsets knows you're pointing a camera at them every time you look at them. That's one, right. that's one thing. Also, it looks like a dorky piece of equipment on your head. I can't, I, I can't uh, overstate how big of an obstacle that is. However, this author says, yep, those are both problems, but it's going to have to work that way, that the benefits of augmented reality are such that we will go to head-mounted displays, we will go to these HMDs, because we're just going to enjoy the things we're going to be able to do with AR so much, and it's going to bring so much value into our lives. And we, we talked about this a little bit in the AR show, too. Um, it, it's going to be a real public health benefit. It's you know, a safety benefit from the fact that people aren't going to be looking down at their phones all the time. They're going to be right. looking up at the world, and to the extent that it, that it needs to happen, information will be, will be presented to them. Now, I, there's also the real possibility, I think, that people will be distracted by what they're seeing in their heads-up display and still get into trouble. But right. um, it's got to be better to be you know, at least somewhat looking in the direction of danger that might be coming than to be looking completely down, right? Yeah. I, what you do is uh, I I would have it fixed to where my, you know the the thing could alert me audibly or something if there was something it you know it needed to tell me but uh, by and large especially if I'm driving I'd just have it you know there ought to be like an airplane mode or something where it just sort of you know powers down or just doesn't doesn't provide a whole lot of uh, uh, information that would distract you from what it is you're trying to do yeah I could go audio at that point it can talk to you yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Some, some and, and, would say and, and that's and too to give you audio too. directions. Okay, in ten feet, take the next right. Things right. like that. Yeah. But um, by, by and large, it needs to leave your vision unobstructed in a driving situation. But you know, if you're just walking around and and it's you know it's flashing the you know the history of the area you're walking through or you know or where the great restaurants are or something like that. That's you know, I, I, why, why not? Right? It's good to know that stuff. Makes you feel right. like a local, even in a place you've never been before. So, um, pretty cool. One thing, one thing the article does make clear is that there are a number of technological leaps that are going to have to be made in order to get us to a truly usable head-mounted display. And then beyond that, to, to get us to the technology that comes after that, that's going to require some, some real technological leaps. But eventually we will have those. Eventually we'll have it where people won't visibly be wearing anything, that, the, that yeah. the whole display could be handled through something as unobtrusive as a contact lens. And eventually, believe it or not, but, but believe it because I'm telling you, stuff piped <laughs> right into your brain, right? That's, that's where we end up with this thing. I think the but first that's, that's going to be a while off. I think the first unobtrusive augmented reality will be something maybe akin to uh, – Horn rim glasses, Phil. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Imagine, imagine horn rim glasses where the the horn, right, uh, where where the little white uh, uh, speck is, is actually like a uh, is is actually the camera. Right. Something that small, um, and as and as unobtrusive as that. That would, I think that might be the 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 first something like that. Yeah, they keep uh, miniaturizing it. They can get it to 
to that where the glasses don't look too weird. They look maybe a yeah. little bit like an interesting fashion choice rather yeah. than you're wearing equipment around. I think yeah, you're, ob- <laughs> you're obviously and you're obviously pointing a camera. Yeah, this is where this is where Apple has to solve the problem, right? Because right. you think of what they did with the iPod, right? They took a music player and they turned it into a, almost a fashion accessory, right? The whole fact that it was sleek and these earbuds was this stylish look. Remember the ads for that when it came out originally? And it was just this this whole like look and feel that they made advantageous. Apple and they've done that obviously with the iPhone. After that, they did that with the iPad. They're the ones, I think, who can give us a really human, usable, societally acceptable agent. And once Apple does it then, and shows the way, then everybody follows suit, the way, the way it happened with, uh, with the iPhone. I, yeah, it well, like and in Apple fact, as the, as the other iPhone makers, or excuse me, the other smartphone makers will tell you, then they'll quantum leap them, and then Apple yeah. will be playing catch-up with their... Uh, <laughs> With their technology, which right? is kind of what's happening right now, I, I'm yeah. afraid. But um, yeah, yeah. Uh, that, so we got that. Cool. To, we got that to look forward to. Anyway, I thought that was an interesting update on the discussion we had had because it showed up right after oh, yeah. we did that show, and we just haven't been able to use the story since then. So I thought, well, That's right. we need to get that. We need to get that out there. It turns out we were very prescient in our concerns about the HMDs, <laughs> Stephen. The, yeah, people oh, even if you can believe this, even smarter than us have been thinking about these issues <laughs> and working well, on what. That's a relief, Phil, because uh, you know these are important things, right? Absolutely, hey, these, we need ne- top people. These next on two them. stories, I can't decide which one of these are, uh, I like the best of the sh- on the show we're doing tonight. Uh, well, uh, do you like Spider-Man coming to life or Star Wars coming to life? Right, that's your question, <laughs> exactly, right? Exactly, because I, I like both, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, okay, in the first of these two stories, it's uh, a spider drinks graphene, spins web that can hold the weight of a human. You know, spins a web <laughs> any size, catches crooks just like flies. Bill, anyway, that's right. Uh, <laughs> so it's amazing. You know, graphene, of course, uh, is a carbon-based, you know, material that's can be very strong, particularly if it's in the form of carbon nanotubes, right? Right. And uh, apparently, the webbing that this <laughs> that this uh, spider uh, produces after drinking this stuff uh is comparable with kevlar you know and that's that's pretty great that is strong uh, yes yeah absolutely strong stuff so and perhaps uh, and and could very well be lighter you could end up with a bulletproof vest uh that uh would be significantly lighter than uh bulletproof vest that we have now so that's that you know for safety concerns that's an awesome thing and uh just imagine the uh the sort of materials that this could ultimately uh provide us with i keep thinking when i hear stories like this i keep thinking of the space elevator you know if they can there you go it, we, we got a little closer to the space elevator nano, carbon nanotubes in huge quantities such that we can you know that that is the way you get into space with a space elevator is, uh, i want you to picture this future where there are massive massive genetically engineered spiders the size of small mountains right just Putting out this stuff, right? Just just cranking out these graphene. Well, oh, imagine the space elevator with you know the wild wild west spider going up and down there. Right? Oh, there you go. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's creepy uh, and wrong, I must say. Yeah, but, just. Uh, well, we we'll want a more uh, a less steampunk spider first off. Yeah, exactly. Think, exactly. Than than that spider. Well, I, I got Before we leave this one, I just have to say about this story. I think the greatest thing about this story you don't want to miss is we're talking about a team at the University of Trento in Italy, okay? 
a group of dedicated scientists slash eighth graders. Am I right? I mean, come on, who thinks of this? Hey, let's put graphene in the spider's drinking water and see what happens, right? I mean, this is... Yeah, that's pretty great. That's, uh, you know, they, <laughs> this is a childlike not, investigation into how the world works, right? I, I'm, that's I'm right. Just... <laughs> and, you know, occasionally it, it pays off. You, 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 uh, you find something pretty interesting. And this is pretty interesting. I like yeah, I'm, I'm guessing these guys have shelved a lot of studies, right? I'm guessing they've done a lot of things that have never seen the light of day, but this one is like, hey, check it out. Look. <laughs> if you put crap in the spider's drinking water, he, he makes Kevlar webs. Well, that's, that's, that's pretty yeah, awesome. Anyway. It's much better than when we put arsenic in his drinking water. <laughs> yeah, we exactly. so many spiders that way. Uh, poor humor, sorry. Anyway, but uh, that, but you're right. There's probably, as you said, there's probably some uh, some shelled uh, experiments. Uh, anyway, I, I love the I love the almost childlike innocence of just trying various things out. And here they found something, and it could have, as you say, huge implications. Okay, finally, late breaking news on one of our long standing questions: In the future, will we regrow lost limbs? Or will we build bionic ones a la Luke Skywalker? The last few times we've talked about it, we've been kind of tending in the direction of maybe we'll grow one. Although the last time we talked about it, we said, but there are very difficult challenges to be overcome in order to make a human body grow a new part. Still, with all the progress that's being made, that's kind of where we've been leaning, right? I think. Yeah. Or, yeah. That's, that's where I've been leaning. That's safe to say. That's safe to yeah. say. Yeah. Now we got this headline, high-tech neuroprosthetic Luke arm lets amputee touch and feel again. Check it out. He says, when I want to grab something, I could feel myself grabbing it. When I thought about moving this or that finger, it would move almost right away. I don't know how to describe it, except that it felt like I had a hand again. This is closing in on the Luke Skywalker experience, is it not? Yeah, it is. You know, and, you know, part of what made the Luke Skywalker hand uh, – when we say the Luke Skywalker hand, we're saying it's, an, it's a functional equivalent to the original hand. It's completely mechanical, but you can still feel it looks convincingly like a, a human hand. Right. Um, and, um, and so this, this particular you know, prosthetic looks pretty good. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it gives itself away as a prosthetic if you, uh, if you examine it. You know, especially the wrist and things like that. But uh, the hand itself, if you had a sleeve down over the wrist, and the hand itself, you know, I, I'm thinking that, uh, you know, you, you could, uh, you know, 80% of people that you, you dealt with on a day-to-day basis probably wouldn't even notice it. Would never even yeah. notice that you're wearing a prosthetic yeah. hand. That's right. That's right. Um, and so that, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's, that's 80% of the way there, right? I yeah. Mean, that, that means they're just tidying up the corners on the, on the cosmetic side. Maybe still a ways to go in terms of the function, in terms of the feeling, but this is a big step forward for the mechanical hand in the ongoing race, I've got to say. That's right. The, the <laughs> mechanical I'm, hand imagine, has moved ahead. I imagine how great it was to be this guy and to get to – you know, experience that again. You know, I mean, it's it's got to be. You know, I, I can only imagine how traumatic it is to lose a limb like that, and then yeah. to uh, and then to and then to have uh, have something like this come along that you know uh, grants you back some of this. Now, I'm 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 uncertain from the article if this is uh, if if he's just you you know under experimental circumstances in the lab can do this, but when he goes home at the end of the day, he 
it puts back on the hook hand or whatever. I, I, I don't know if uh, this is something he gets to use on a daily basis. Um, I'm looking. Maybe, uh, let's see. His greatest joy is being able to do mundane things we all take for granted, putting a pillow in a pillowcase. It sounds like he's got it out uh, in the world. Sounds like he's uh, at least got, got some use of it outside the experimental yeah. setting, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, that, it is an experimental pretty, treatment, but I think it's an experiment that they're conducting in his life, not just in a lab. Right. And, that is very yeah, that's cool. wonderful, very especially cool. because, you know, I'm, the thing you hear about people who've lost a body part, particularly a hand or a foot, is that they still feel it. It can right. itch, or they're, they're sure it's there, and then they go to do something with it, and it's not there. So this, yeah. is, this is really <laughs> plugging that gap in a way that a, even a very advanced up-to-now prosthetic can't, because this is providing the actual, to some extent, nerve input that that part of your body would provide were it still there. So just a, I don't know, just a tremendous story. Yeah, good for this guy. And another one of those just wonderful technology stories that is not getting anywhere, anything like the attention it deserves. I think this, this should be huge screaming headlines and everyone should be talking about this. And, you know, it's just, well, another marginal step forward in prosthetics. It's like, well, yeah, but that's a pretty big margin, right, that, uh, that we've crossed on this one. Hey, I, I wanted, you know, it's, it was not part of uh, the agenda for this show, Phil, but I wanted to go ahead and throw this out there. Spoke with, uh, with my son, Timothy, about, the, uh, about that asteroid we mentioned last week. Okay. okay. The, the weird one, the long, weird uh, thing that it's, Oahu, you know, real, uh, Muama, real or however it's pronounced. Actually, yes. yeah, What's Timothy have saying, to tell us? Okay. His thought on this is he, he was blown away by it, and he said, here's what blows me away about this. It comes from it would appear the uh, you know the the, the Vega the, you know Vega that that star the, it looks like the, it's, the star Vega yes yeah and here it, it enters our system in an ex, in, in a, a precise enough uh, slingshot and it, it so such that it's heading back now to Vega oh is that right at least at least that neighborhood and he says he says Dad uh, this that 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 uh, you know, it, strain, it, which it, to me it begins to strain credibility that could be anything else, you know, but but a probe. Well, that's new information. I had not heard that it's heading back to Vega. But it's is heading that, back, is it possible it's, it, that it's just in a really really big orbit around Vega? That this was just the. In, you know, we just uh, happen to be right at the. We, we, everything, you know, anytime we've mentioned stories where it might be aliens, it always turns out not to be. Right, right. And then they, and our answer is always until it is. Well, right, well, absolutely, this, yeah. This is looking pretty. This one's looking a little bit more convincing than all the stories that we've looked at before. I'll put it that way. And uh, and when when Timothy uh, he brought up uh, a, the the chart showing the angle at which it's, it's coming in. And it, and it actually, it, it had to go so in order to, in order to be slung, slingshot back towards the direction it came, it had to uh, go, uh, go around the, uh, or excuse me, around the sun, had to slingshot around the sun in an orbit actually closer than Mercury to the sun. Hmm. And, uh, and so, I mean, what's the chances of that? I mean, it's like hitting a bullseye, right? I mean, it's uh, pretty, Pretty bizarre. So, anyway, it was an interesting conversation I had with my son Timothy, and he's interested in these things. Thought I'd just throw that out. 
Well, that's awesome. Have him send us some links so we can we yeah. can revisit that because you know I've not heard I mean, all in these. In fact, I'll, I'll make sure that uh, these links get to you guys uh, get to you so it'll be the show notes for our, for all. Because you know, I've been I've been reading on all the anomalies, and that is that is quite spectacular. It still raises the question of why why'd they come all the way from Vega just turn around and go back? Why not stop and be friendly? You know. <laughs> well, it, it, it may be just it would. I mean, it's it's a hard trip to make, and it's the only way to uh, maybe it's the only way to uh, get the information they needed. Was uh, you know, it's, it's hard recon to, it's hard to basically. Answer. Yeah, the and, next. Yeah, it's hard to answer. The next one we but, see will be the full invasion. So we just watch for that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> a few years, a few decades down the road, we can watch for that. Okay. Well, we started with the robot apocalypse, and we can end with right. an alien invasion. So it's not the good news of Palooza like it was last week. But hey, we're still having fun with these <laughs> yeah, topics. That's, right. that's for sure. All right. Well, speaking of fun topics, we're going to be. Oh, go ahead. Show. A little unexpected geek at the end of the show. Sorry about yeah, that. Yeah, well, you, it's, it's never the wrong time for that, for sure. <laughs> Speaking of fun topics, we're going to be talking about the Amazing Wealth Machine on Amazing Wednesday. So look forward to talking with you then. Stephen, look forward to being with you all. And until next time, live to see it. <laughs> <laughs>